All right. If you have your Bibles, turn to, turn to Daniel. That's in the Old Testament. As you can see, the poster to my right and your left, heroes, wisdom to run life's race. We are looking at some of the great heroes in the Bible, men and women, who if they were to run one lap with us, what kind of wisdom would they give us? What would they tell us? And so today, we have the privilege of running a lap with a hero, and his name is Daniel. What a great hero. And we're going to be looking into Daniel. Uh, so I need you to go to your Bible, get your Bible out. It's in the Old Testament. If you don't know where it is, just look in the table of contents, and you'll be able to find Daniel. It's in there, and it's in the Old Testament. We're going to look at um, a wonderful hero uh, by the name of Daniel. Our character trait, every week we have a character trait, and our character trait for today is excellence. Everyone say excellence with me. And Daniel, the Bible says, had a, a spirit of excellence. In Daniel chapter 6, he was chosen as one of the few children of Israel to serve uh, King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, and it was described of him that he had a spirit of excellence. Our PC share is, is a great one. Excellence is not a skill, it's an attitude. So we're going to be looking at excellence. And if you look in your notes, you can follow along with me, and let's just look at this for uh, just, just a minute or two. Excellence is a state of greatness, quality, or supremacy. So Daniel had a spirit of excellence. Whatever he did, he did with a spirit of quality, a spirit of supremacy, a, a spirit of, of greatness. Now, in Psalm 8, this is not in your, in your notes, but in Psalm 8 it says this, my God, my God, how excellent is your name. How many believe that God has an excellent name? So watch this. If God is excellent and you are God's children, we are all called to a, have a spirit of excellence. And that's what I like about Daniel. Daniel had a spirit of excellence. You, we, our church, believers, we should not be uh, 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 tempted to live a life of mediocrity. You serve an excellent God. His name is excellent. And if you are his child... You and I, like Daniel, should it, be, it should be said of us that we have a spirit of excellence, that we are just not average, we're just not status quo, we're just not content just to squeeze by, but we are going to be living a life that honors and glorifies God. And if he is an excellent God, then you are excellent. And the thing that set Daniel apart was that he was not average. He was not status quo. He was not ordinary Joe. There was something different about him. And let it be said of all of us that when people encounter us, when people see us, when people talk to us, when we are, are, are running our businesses and working with our employees and, and, and engaging with our neighbors and in the community, that we have that same spirit of excellence in us and on us. Can I get an amen? That when people engage with us, they just sense that something's different. 
And it's not us. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us that spirit of excellence. So I want to encourage you today, and we're going to look at the life of Daniel, and we are going to uh, get some wisdom from him, and he's going to tell us, Pine Castle, don't settle. Pine Castle, don't try just to be average. Don't try just to settle in and have the status quo mentality. I want you to serve an excellent God, and I want it said of you that you have that spirit of excellence just like Daniel. And it's not a skill, it's an attitude. So we're going to look at Daniel's life today, and we're going to get some wisdom from him. He really is going to give us five little words of advice on how we can run life's race with a spirit of excellence. So let's get into our teaching this morning. Uh, The first, number one, what Daniel would tell us as we run the race of life. And by the way, you're going to, you're, you know I'm going to ready to tell you this. What does Daniel's name mean? And that's the first thing I look at. And I think you're starting to get that too. You're starting to see that there is wisdom in names. I mean, my name is from afar. And that's pretty accurate. I'm kind of crazy. I'm kind of out there. I'm from afar. So names match and names mean a lot. Daniel's name means, I love this. His name means God is my judge. I like that. Every day when he heard his mom call his name, he was reminded, watch this, that God is my judge. So watch this. When David was confronted by the king to compromise, there was no vacillating in him. He understood that his judge was not King Nebuchadnezzar. His judge was God, and he didn't bow under pressure. When he was thrown into the lion's den, he was not fearful. He was not afraid. He was full of courage. Why? Because God was his judge. When the edict came down for it was time to pray to, uh, to, to evil idols, he didn't compromise his convictions. Why? Because he understood that God was his judge. And if you want to have a spirit of excellence, if you want to follow in the steps foot of Jesus and Daniel, and you want to live a life of excellence and not mediocrity, you and I have got to be reminded every single day that we answer to one person and one person alone, God is our judge. And we're going to be judged, all of us, one day. And that is a healthy fear. That's a healthy respect that helps to guide us when we're making decisions that we know that one day we are going to stand before the ultimate judge. God, our Holy Father, is going to judge us. And that should change the way you and I think. That should change the way we act. That should change the way we walk through life, understanding that we have one judge to answer to, and every decision that we make filters through that healthy fear of God that we are going to be judged one day, and Daniel was reminded every single day when he heard his name, God is my judge. Now that means that you are not my judge. And this is going to be hard for some of you to to wrap your brain around because you, for some reason, have the understanding that, that you are called to be a judge. And we're all guilty of that sometimes, aren't we? We think that we are the judges. 
because we've arrived and we've got it all together and we know everything. Therefore, God appointed me and anointed me to be judge over my neighbors, my in-laws, my pastor, my government officials. And I've got some shocking news for you today. You are not the judge. You can wear a robe. You can have your gavel. You can think you've arrived and you're all that. But you are not the judge. There's only one judge. And that is our holy heavenly father that we answer to. And your job on this earth is not to spend your time and energy judging other people. Are you all with me today? You see, for some reason, we wake up and we think, this is my job. I get to judge people today. And you judge people? You don't have all the facts. You don't have all the details. You don't know it all, but yet you've arrived, and now you have been anointed and appointed to be judged. And my name is Scott, and I'm here to tell you today that you are not the judge. Now, you may be able to do that to your husband or your wife, but you're not God's anointed judge. There's only one judge. And how easy it is for us to spend our time and energy judging other people. I learned this the hard way a couple years ago when I was, when I was down in Cuba. And we, for many of you know, we have a, a sister church that we support down in Las Tunas, uh, Cuba. And by the way, Pastor Omar uh, e- emailed me, and that's beautiful because several years ago, there was no way to even communicate with Cuba. You'd have to send a, a snail letter, and it'd take you three months. And now they have email, thank God. But he emailed me and said, Pastor Scott, please, please, please pray for the church in Cuba. Uh, the COVID-19 is sweeping through that country. It's sweeping through their community. It's sweeping through their church. And he said this, people are dying And he says this, the medical facilities are collapsing under the weight of COVID. We need to be reminded to pray for our our, our friends in Cuba. Beautiful people. It's a beautiful church. Uh, We raised $5,000 a couple years ago and put a brand new uh, roof on their church building. It is alive. It is full of the Holy Spirit. It is filled to capacity. And we need to pray for Pastor Omar and pray for the church in Las Tunas. But I was down there preaching, actually dedicating the church down there and and the new roof. And I was sitting on the front row, and I was getting ready to preach And all of a sudden, I started smelling fish. And I thought, man, this is this is really this is interesting. I started just to, and it was just it got overwhelming, and it got it got it got really overpowering. And I'm standing next to one of the associate pastors, and I started jumping to conclusions, and I started judging him. And my first thought was, don't they bathe in Cuba? Why does he smell like fish? Why wouldn't he take the time to at least? take a bath and, and, and clean up for God's, and I started to, to c- come up with all these judgments about him, and, and the longer it went on, just the more critical I became, and I became very judgmental, I became very holy, that I didn't smell like fish, and here this guy smells like fish. Lo and behold, I reached in my pocket, and, and, and what I have here is what I carry with me all the time, I take them every day, I take fish oil tablets every day for my heart. 
And lo and behold, as I reached into my pocket, I realized that my fish oil that I forgot to take uh, exploded in my pocket. <laughs> and it wasn't him that smelled like fish. It was me. See, I didn't have all the facts. I didn't have all the details. And it was so easy for me to come to a conclusion and judge him and come to the reality that I was the one that smelled like fish. I think we all need to be reminded that the Bible says, judge not, lest you be judged. And you can spend your time judging but the reality is that you, the same measure you judge other people, you will be judged as well. And so I call that the fish oil principle. <laughs> Don't judge other people. And Daniel was reminded of that. When the king said, I want you to bow, he didn't bow because he only had one judge. When the king says it's time to pray to idols, Daniel said, I'm not going to bow to idols. Why? Because I only have one judge. When the king says, I'm throwing you in front of lions, it, he wasn't phased. Why? Because he had one judge. And that's a healthy reminder. God is my judge. Can I get an amen? All right, you're probably wondering what I'm going to do with this fish oil. I'm going to leave it right there. Thank you very much. Here's what Daniel would tell us if he were to run with us for one lap. Number one, he would say this. Church, Pine Castle, you have been redeemed to shine for God's glory. You have been redeemed. Everyone say redeemed. You have been redeemed to shine for God's glory. Look in, look in Daniel chapter 1, and let's look at verse 3 and 4, and, and let me tell you where I get that from. It says this, And the king ordered the chief of his court officials to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. And Daniel was one of those men. He was, he was look at there, he was a, a, a royal nobility. He was, had no physical defect. He was handsome. He was showing aptitude for every kind of learning. He was well-informed. He was quick to understand, and he was qualified to serve in the king's palace. What does that say about him? It says that Daniel had been redeemed to shine for God's glory. He was set apart. He was different. He was unique. And if Daniel were to run with us one lap, he would say to us today, Church, you have been redeemed. You have been set apart, and I want you to shine for God's glory. I want you to be like Daniel. I want you to be set apart, and I want you to shine. Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. He said, Let your light shine before men so that they will see your good works and they will glorify your Father in heaven. It is time for us, like Daniel, to begin to shine. We have been redeemed to shine for God's glory. Can I get an amen? And I want you to notice that you don't get the glory when you shine. When you shine, God gets the glory. God gets the credit. 
when you are set apart and you're different and you're unique and you are using the gifts that God has given you, you shine and God gets all the glory. And Daniel would say to us, you have been redeemed to shine for God's glory. You know what I want you to do this week? I want you to shine. How many know that we live in a dark world? It's dark out there. A lot of discouragement, a lot of despair, a lot of things going on, a lot of division. And we need more than ever for, for you and your sphere of influence to simply shine, set apart. You have been redeemed. You have been saved for such a time as this. And God wants you to simply shine in a dark world so that God gets all the glory. Can I get an amen? Number two. What I like about Daniel is not only that he was different and unique and he was set apart and he shined for God's glory, but number two, Daniel would say to us, Pine Castle, I want you to not only shine for God's glory, but number two, I want you to be true to godly principles. Be true to godly principles. Now, where do I get that from? Let's look in Daniel chapter 1 and look at verse 8. And here's what happens. The king takes these men, he rallies them together, and he says, I'm going to take you for several years, I'm going to develop you, and you're going to serve in my court. And the king says, now I'm going to serve you wine and food from my palace. And Daniel made the decision that he didn't want to drink the, the king's wine. He didn't want to drink the king's food. I don't really understand that because I would, I, I would prefer to have the king's food and wine. But Daniel, look in verse 8, it says this, and the, the edict came down from King Nebuchadnezzar, and it says in verse 8, but Daniel resolved, everyone say that word resolved, not to defile himself with the royal food and the royal wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. I like that word resolved. What that says to me was that, that, that Daniel was determined. Watch this. He was committed not to defile himself with the food that the king provided and the wine that the king provided. He resolved. He determined. He purposed in his heart not to defile himself. What was he doing? He was standing up for godly principles no matter what the cost. And this is what Daniel would say to us today. Church, it's time for you to stand up for godliness, for godly principles. Even if everyone is against you, we've got to live a life that honors God, and we've got to stand up for godly principles. Uh, the, the, the city that Daniel was in was, was Babylon. You've all heard that word. That word there, Babylon, means to mix. It means to dilute. Now watch this. The goal of the enemy is to every once in a while defile you and to pollute you and to mix a little bit of Christianity and a little bit of the world. And what happens over time is that that, that mixture begins to overtake and overwhelm and suddenly that which was once pure is now impure. There is a spirit of Babylon that is wanting to come into the church and its goal is to corrupt you, to pollute you, to mix the good and the bad. That's the meaning of Babylon. 
And that spirit is alive today. That's why we need men and women, grandmas and grandpas, godly men and women who, like Daniel, who are going to be secure and standing for godly principles. Can I get an amen? There's a huge temptation to vacillate and to compromise and to say to Daniel, oh, Daniel, it's really not that big a deal, man. It's, it's, just, it's just a little bit of food from the king and it's a little bit of wine. Just compromise. It's not that big a thing. Just overlook it. But the Bible says Daniel resolved. He determined. He purposed in his heart not to defile himself in that way. And I like that. I don't fully understand it. Because to be honest with you, I would love to eat the king's food. I would love to have the king's wine. But Daniel made a decision to stand strong in his convictions and his principles. It doesn't mean you need to be mean about it. It doesn't mean that you need to go judging other people if they don't have the same convictions. But what we need in this church, what we need in this community, what we need in this country, and what we need in our denomination is people who are going to stand with the principles of God. Doesn't matter how unpopular it may be. I'm standing on this book as my guide for the principles that I believe in. And it doesn't matter what media says. It doesn't matter what liberals say. It doesn't matter what the media says. We're going to be people that are securely firm on the principles of God. Daniels. Why? Because we have one judge. One judge. And he's going to judge us for our convictions and what we believe in. If I were you, I would know what you believe in and why. I would know what God's word says on every topic. As many of you know, this denomination, the United Methodist Church, is, is in a huge divide right now. And it's coming to a climax here in the next few months, next year. And as a church, we have to be firm on the principles that God has laid out for us in his word. Period. Thank you, all five of you. You better know what God's word says. You better know what the principles are and believe and, and why you believe that. But we need Daniels and Danielettes who are going to stand firm on the convictions and the principles that God has given us. Can I get an amen? amen. And there's going to be a fight. There's going to be a battle. There's going to be forces that are going to come and try to get you and me and us to, to give in, to compromise. Don't let that Babylon spirit creep in and cause that mixture to come in and get us to sway from the principles of the convictions that God has for us. Daniel would say to us, be firm in your convictions. Can I get an amen? I love this. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Church, let's stand. And let's be known for standing firm to the principles that God has given us. Number three.
I love this one. Daniel would say to us, if he would run a race with us, he would say to us, the power of the Holy Spirit will empower you to be better. The power of the Holy Spirit will empower you to be better. Aren't you grateful for the power of the Holy Spirit? Look in Daniel chapter 1, verse 20. I love this. It says, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the, queen, the king questioned him, he found him to be ten times better than all the magicians and the enchanters in his whole kingdom. Everyone say ten times better. I like that. The king brought in magicians and enchanters and occult leaders to try to figure out his dreams, to try to figure out which way he should go. And the Bible says that Daniel was ten times better. You see, I believe that we are ten times better than the world because of the power of the Holy Spirit in us. See, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that gives you the ability to be ten times better. You know what Daniel would say to us today? He would say to us today, church, I want you to be full of the Spirit. I want you to be full of grace. I want you to be full of mercy. I want you to be ten times full of love, ten times full of forgiveness. I want you to be kinder. I want you to be gentler. I want you to be softer. I want you to be smarter. I want you to be sweeter. I want you to be ten times better than everybody else. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit enables us to be all that God wants us to be. And it's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. How are we going to be better? We're not going to be better in our own strength. We're not going to be better in our own intelligence, our own our own experience, we're going to be better because we are allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to make us who we need to be. Are you all with me? Christians that have known Christ for 50 years shouldn't be more bitter. They should be sweeter. If you've been a believer for 100 years, you should be full of grace, full of mercy, full of forgiveness, Full of love. But yet I found in my upbringing, when I was a little boy, it was, it was the grandmas and the grandpas, they were meaner than snakes. And I could never understand that. Saints who had been in the church all their life became bitter and angry and mean. No, not Pine Castle. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit is going to enable us to be better. Not just better, ten times better. Sweeter, gentler, kinder, full of love, full of mercy, full of grace, full of forgiveness. We're going to be ten times better. And you can't do that in your own power. The only way you can do that is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if I were you, I would say, Holy Spirit, make me into the person that you want me to be. Oh, I know I'm 80 years old, but I haven't arrived. Would you please empower me to be better? And not just better, ten times better than the world. That's what Daniel would say to us. Are you more in love with Jesus today than you were 50 years ago? Is he sweeter today than he was 25 years ago? And if not, you need to ask the Holy Spirit. Everyone say Holy Spirit. See, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that gives you the ability to be more like Jesus. 
I want to be more like Christ. And I can't do that in my own strength. I can only do that when the power of the Holy Spirit is on me and in me to change me and make me the person that I need to be. And Daniel would say to us, yield to the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to change you. Ask the Holy Spirit to remove bitterness and anger and resentment and lust from your heart and allow him to reign and to rule in every area of your life. God wants us to be ten times better. Daniel wants us to be ten times better. I want you to be ten times better. And you can't do that except for the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Amen. Number four, real quickly. Bruce, if you go up to the keyboard and start playing some Holy Spirit music, would you? (laughs) I was was playing golf yesterday. Thank God. When I get to play golf and fish, I'm a better pastor. (laughs) I'm a better father. I'm a better husband. I played uh, with uh, some dear friends of mine, uh, Rochelle and Brad Danner, who I've known for, for probably 30 years. And so we were on hole number, uh, number nine, and Rochelle, who was playing, uh, she, she, hit, um, she hit a ball into the trees. How many of you ever played golf? And you, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and she hit that thing so far in the trees, and bless her heart, she didn't want to take a stroke, so at first she was trying just to play through it. And I mean, there was palmetto leaves, and there was trees, and there was vines, and there was those. She was ever, and she was trying to manipulate, and she got her club in there. I mean, she's covered. You couldn't see her. She was so thick in the woods that you couldn't see her. And I heard all this ruffling to my left, and I was like, Rochelle, what are you doing? She goes, well, I got I to gotta play this lie. And for a moment, I was like, yeah, that's right. You got to play that lie because I don't want you to beat me on this hole. <laughs> so I want you to get an eight because I know I'm going to get a seven. And, and yeah, you're right. You need to play out of that. And she was like, she needed a machete. I mean, she was deep in it. It was everywhere trying to manipulate. And finally, watch this. I asked the Holy Spirit, what should I do? And you know what he said? Give her a mulligan. Give her a, give her a little bit of grace. So here I was. I was trying. I didn't want to get beat by her. But, but, but thank God the Holy Spirit. And I said, Rochelle, you don't have to hit out of the woods. Pull the ball out. It's okay. And at first she was like, no, 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 no. I'm gonna. And then finally she received, watch this, the grace to pull out of the weeds and just hit a shot without a penalty, without a stroke. See, that's the way we need to live when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know, there is a scorecard, and I, and, and I brought mine. And, and, and I'm not going to brag that I shot at 84, but that's not the point. Here's the point. Golf is about numbers. It's about your score. And legalists will say, you got to hit out of those bushes, and if, you ha- if it takes you ten times to hit out of there, well, that's just the way golf is. And they have a scorecard. And they get their pen out, and they live their life scoring other people. 
And the Holy Spirit, aren't you glad, doesn't have a scorecard overlooking you every single minute. But there is grace and mercy when you live life empowered by the Holy Spirit. Yes, we're called to excellence. Yes, we're called to holiness. Yes, we're called to, to, to stay on the, the path. But every once in a while, I don't know about you, but I get off the path. And I want to challenge you today. Quit living by a scorecard. You are not determined by the score on the card. The power of the Holy Spirit gives you and me the ability to get a mulligan and to hit again without penalty. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. I know there's some of you here that are your hardcore golfers and, 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 and I'm not. I love mulligans. I love the word mulligan. By the way, if you don't know what that means, that means you get to hit again without penalty. I don't know about you, but in life, I need a mulligan. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that gives you the ability not to live life by the scorecard, but to live life by grace and by mercy. If you know somebody that's up in the woods, they got weeds all over them, machete trying to fight their way out, you know the best thing you can say to them? It's okay. I'm not going to penalize you. Pull out. Hit the ball. It makes life and golf really, really great when you live like that. And you can't do that unless you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Oh, I hope you're getting this today. Number four, real quick, we got to go. Daniel would say to you today, be prepared to stand before kings and use your gifts to glorify God. Watch this. Daniel was brought before the king. He was brought before the king. And Daniel would say to you today, church, God has given you gifts. And when you live with a spirit of excellence, God is going to open up doors that only he can open up, and you will be brought before kings and queens, and God wants you to use your gifts to glorify him. You've got gifts, and we don't have time to go into this today, but there are gifts of the Spirit that God gives the church, and he's given you those gifts. Look at your notes. Here's what we need to do if we're going to live a life of excellence. Number one, we need to, we need to discover our gifts. Discover our gifts. Number two, once we discover them, we need to dedicate those gifts to God. Number three, we need to develop those gifts. And then number four, we need to deploy those gifts. That's what Daniel would say to us today. What's your gift? Are you using it? Are you deploying it? Are you dedicating that gift to God? And if not, use the gifts that God has given you because God's going to open up doors and bring you before kings and he wants you to use your gifts to glorify God. And then number, number five, as we close. Daniel would say to us, face opposition with godly courage. Face opposition with godly courage. Now, hang on just for a second. Watch this. I know we've got baptism in just a moment. Daniel would say to you today, there are going to be lions that will come into your life 
and they will try to intimidate you. They will try to bring fear into your life. And Daniel would say to you, when lions come into your life, face those lions with courage. How many have ever had a lion come into your life? You ever been surrounded by lions? And you're like, what in the world am I going to do? Watch this. Daniel would say to you today, face your lions with courage. See, courage, watch this, is bravery in the face of danger. See, I can't promise you today that, 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 that life is not going to throw you a curveball. I can't promise you that you are not going to be thrown before lions. But when lions come into your life, be courageous. In the face of opposition, face that lion with godly courage. That's what Daniel would say to us today. Bravery in the face of danger. Now watch this. He was surrounded by lions, and Daniel stood. He stood. Why? Because he knew that God was his judge, and he knew that if he were to die, it's okay because I'm going to go see the ultimate judge firsthand. But if not, I'm going to stand. I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to face my lions with courage. Bravery in the face of danger. And I want to ask you today, What's your greatest lion? What's the, what's the lion in your life that's causing you to fear and, and to be, be scared and to panic? What is that lion? I know what that lion is in my life. It's what's happened to Austin. And I've got to be strong and courageous. In the face of adversity, I want to be full of courage. I want to be full of faith. I want to be like Daniel. I want to stand there in the face of opposition and say, whatever you bring me, God, I'm going to be courageous. And I'm reminded of what Moses said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. He said this, have I not commanded you? See, it's a command, church. God is commanding us. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and what? Courageous. So I say to you today, whatever lion is in your den, be courageous. Be full of faith. Be full of the Spirit. Ask God to give you courage to stand when the lions are coming and the lions are roaring. How many know that the Bible says that the, the enemy is like a lion and he's roaring? And when the enemy roars, I'm encouraging you and I'm commanding you to be strong. Stand. Be full of courage. Don't let fear, don't let worry, don't let anxiety and distractions cause you to bow. Stand and be full of courage. So watch this. When the doctor speaks words over you, be courageous. When the attorney speaks words over you, be courageous. Have I not commanded you? Be strong. Be courageous. Be like Daniel. In the face of adversity, I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to be strong. When the experts speak words over you, be courageous. And there's people right here today watching online in this sanctuary 
The words have been spoken over you, and I'm commanding you today, be strong and courageous. Stand. If you're going to go down, you're going to go down standing, full of faith, full of God, full of his spirit, full of courage. And the Bible says that the king was amazed. When he woke up the next morning, he was thinking, oh, Daniel's history. No way Daniel's going to make it. Got 20 lions in there. The Bible says he was amazed that Daniel in the lion's den was standing strong and full of courage. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous today. Daniel would encourage us, and I want to be like Daniel. I want you to be like Daniel today. This is what I want you to do is we're going to close here just for a second. Just as, a, as, a, as an act of faith. Maybe you're not going through it right now, but guess what? You're getting ready to. I've always said you're either coming out of trouble, you're in trouble, or you're getting ready to walk into trouble. If you want to be like Daniel today, you want to be strong in the, in, in the midst of lions. You want to be true to your convictions and your principles. You want to have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to help you to live the life that would please him. If you want to stand today, I want you to do a physical, just like baptism, a physical demonstration of what you're determining in your heart. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to live to the principles that God has given me. I want you it's not for everybody. I don't get paid on commission here today. So if, if 10 people stand, I, I don't get more. This is not about me. This is about you. I'm, thank you, sir. I want you to stand if you want to be like Daniel today in the midst of the lions. I want you to stand if you're going to be firm in your convictions. I want you to stand if you're going to not compromise and allow the spirit of Babylon to corrupt you. I want you to stand today. Father, you see us. You know our hearts. You know we want to be like Daniel, but many times we're not. We're thankful today for Daniel and his message to us to not allow the world to mix. Not to give in to our principles and to help us to stand in the midst of opposition. Lord, we stand today as a, as a physical demonstration that we want to be like Daniel. And God, as Moses prophesied and spoke over Joshua, I speak over your people today. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God is with you. The king can't get you to compromise. The king can't get you to bow. The lions are not going to overtake you. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you. For it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he give you a spirit of Daniel that in the face of opposition you'll be strong and you'll be courageous, you'll be full of God's spirit and full of courage. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen and amen.